stand with me this morning as we read uh, the, the word of God in Luke chapter number 15, verse number 31. And this is our theme verse of scripture throughout this whole series uh, that we're in called Home. And Jesus is speaking here and he's telling the parable of the, the prodigal son. And in verse 31 he said, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. Today, Father, I pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would come to a full understanding of what this means, that all that you said is yours is ours, not because we're slaves, but because we are sons. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things and all God's people said, amen. As you're being seated this morning, throughout this whole series, we've been emphasizing this one point, that people are not projects. People are not projects. And if we know that people are not projects, that means that people are people. People are not projects to be fixed. A lot of times when people walk into a church or they walk into a, a setting where ministry is taking place, we look at people as projects to be fixed, not people to be loved. Today we're changing all that. This year we're changing all that at TWBC. We want you to know that you, we don't look at you as a project to be fixed. You are a person that we deeply love and we have compassion for your situation. And we believe that the love that we have for you and the compassion that we have for you and your situation that you're in is going to let you have an experience with the love of the Father. And it's the Father's job to transform your life, not mine. Amen? It's the Father's job to transform your life, but he's going to do it through an environment that we call home. And home is where the presence of the Father is. It's the place where love resides and the place where love abides and continually stays. And if home is where the presence of the Father is, this is where your life-changing transformation, we believe, is going to take place. When you come in, we want to love you, we want to appreciate you, and we want to say thank you just for being you. Not for the potential of what you have in the future. Not for the things you may do 20 years down the road. Right now, just the way you are, we love you. Okay? A lot of people come into church with this, with this motive, this mindset. I'm going to church to, be, to change, to be better, to be a better person, to do this, to achieve something, to, 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 to conquer something, to get over something. Stop. We love you. Just the way you are. Okay? You don't have to prove something to us. You don't have to try to become something for us. We love you just the way you are. And you're not a project for us to fix. You're a person that we are called to love, and we love you deeply just the way you are. We know that when we love you just the way you are, you're going to get comfortable with the presence of God, and then God's going to begin to call out gifts and callings on the inside of you, and God's going to begin to do amazing things with you and do things that will transform the world through you. And so we're excited about who you are and, and, and who you are to us. And so I'm going to finish up, I'm going to start this week's message with the, the last point of last week's message because I kind of jumped the gun a little bit last week and I went into this week's message towards the end of last week's message. And so we want to jump into to the end of last week's message. And so if you missed last week's message, you can get it on the CD that's out there. You can download it on iTunes or the podcast. You can listen to it on the radio stations that we broadcast on, but catch up on last week's message. And so as we kick off this morning's message, everybody say, but the Father. But the Father. And so when the Father came and he saw his son at a distance, and remember last week when I got to the last point of last week's message, I said, this is where the whole series changes. 
We're coming to a place where we begin to talk about not homelessness, but about true covenant. You being a son in the house of the father. And everybody say, but the father. But the father saw the son coming from a long way off. And he arose, and Luke 15, 20 says this, And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Can you say that's love? And from a long ways off, the father saw him, and he ran to him, and he embraced him. And after he began to run to him and embrace him, the son was still walking to the father in this mindset here as a homeless slave. Because when the son came to the father, he said, Father, he had to rehearse speech and he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me as one of your slaves or one of your hired men. And you know what I love about the father? (laughs) The father doesn't listen to ignorant talk. Amen. The father doesn't listen to ignorant talk. When the son came up, when the father ran to him, amen, and the father got to him and the son began to speak, the father didn't even listen to the nonsense. Because you don't see something coming from a long way off unless you're looking for it, unless you're eagerly expecting it, unless you're wanting it to happen in your life. And so the father was looking from a long way off for the son and when the son comes home he begins to rehearse this speech to his father and the father didn't listen to ignorant talk but he said you are no longer a slave but you are going to be one of my sons and so what did the father do the father gave him a robe and we know that from the beginning of the story that the son he took all that he had and squandered all that he had on wild living out in the in the world that he was in and so when he came home he had nothing And so when the father said, bring him a robe, it wouldn't have been his robe out of his closet. It would have been the father's robe out of the father's closet. And that is so pivotal because the robe represents righteousness. It represents righteousness. And when the father told the son or told the servants, get him one of my robes, the father was saying, son, you're putting on my righteousness now. And as a covenant child of God, and we are sons, aren't you glad that you're not living in your righteousness, you're living in his righteousness, amen? You're not living in your grace, you're living in his grace, amen? And that's where I believe as I read this story, he's a God of too much. He is a God of too much, because his righteousness is too much for me, I can't comprehend it. He said, I've been seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. I'm joint heir or co-heirs with him. I can't comprehend all that in my earthly mind. So by my spirit and in my spirit, I do it as a son and I just receive it. Amen? And so the father gives the son first off a robe that represents righteousness. And then he didn't just stop as a ro- at the robe that represented righteousness. He gave him what next? He gave him a ring. And the ring wasn't just any ordinary ring. When you gave somebody a ring and it was the family ring, it represented a signet ring or an authority ring. It was literally the way they signed documents. They would have a ring with a certain symbol on it and they would press it in clay. And as the clay would harden, that would be their signed document that they, were, uh, they, that they had come into contract with somebody. So the father didn't just give him righteousness back. He gave him authority back. Amen. Hey, when you got born again, you just didn't get righteous. You got authority. You didn't just get righteousness. You got authority. Jesus said, before he ascended, he said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. You go now. Jesus said, I'm giving you the ring. You go now. I'm giving you the ring. 
to operate in. My authority, and listen, authority is so much greater than power. Authority is so much greater than power because if I got the power to lift this stand and throw it across the building, that's one thing. But if I got authority, it's a complete other thing. Because even though I have the power to throw this stand across the building, I don't have the power to stop an 18-wheeler on, on 2560 out there. But if I got authority, listen, I could be weaker than I am right now, but if I put on a uniform of authority, such as a police officer's uniform or a DPS uniform, the 18-wheeler isn't going to stop because I'm stronger than him. The 18-wheeler is going to stop because of the authority behind the uniform that I'm wearing. <laughs> listen, the devil ain't going to stop because you're powerful. The devil's going to stop because you have got your uniform of righteousness on and now you stand in authority and you say you are no longer trespassing on my family. See, some of you guys got to get this authority thing. But you're not going to walk in authority until you got the uniform of righteousness on called that robe. Because some of you, you still think of yourself as unrighteous. No, righteousness is a position that you were put in. Righteousness is a position that you were put in. And so when you put on that uniform of righteousness, that robe of righteousness, you then get to put on the ring of authority. And when you walk in the uniform and the authority of God, why are you letting the devil trespass on your life? Because your authority gives you access to the power. Power doesn't give you access to authority. Some of you got to get that right. Your authority gives you access to the power of God. But power doesn't necessarily give you access. See, you can be a gigantic elephant, but you're still tied to a stake in a circus. Right? The elephant's got way more power than that stake. But why? He doesn't realize he's got authority over it, not just power. See, when you realize you've got authority over it, you'll access the power of what you need to overcome things in your life. And then after he gave him the robe of righteousness and he gave him the ring of authority, he put sandals on his feet. He put sandals on his feet. And that is so important because when the father said, I'm giving you sandals for your feet, he said, a slave, I can make righteous. I can give him my robe. A slave, I can put a ring on his finger and give him authority. But I can never make my slave a son again. I can only make a son a son again. So when he put sandals on his feet... Slaves didn't wear shoes, only sons did. So when he put sandals on his feet, he not only gave him righteousness, he not only gave him authority, he gave him sonship. He gave him sonship again. See, he came back wanting to be a slave. The father said, I'll have no dealings with ignorant talk. I'm giving you my uniform of righteousness. I'm giving you my ring of authority. I'm giving you your shoes back. To be a son. And now here's where it gets interesting. Here's where it gets interesting. The father then says a, a profound statement. Kill the fatted calf. A lot of people think, oh, they threw a party because he came home. You have no clue what you're talking about. The father didn't say kill the fatted calf because he wanted to throw a party. The father said kill the fatted calf because I just gave him righteousness. I just gave him authority and I just put sandals on his feet. And some of you slaves, even the other son will disagree with it. So it's not good enough for just me to give him these things. We're going to have a covenant ceremony so this cannot be reversed. 
We're going to have a covenant ceremony, so this cannot be reversed. And this, this right here is what the older brother got so upset about. This is why the older brother got so upset. It wasn't because the son came back home. It wasn't because he was righteous again. It wasn't because he had authority again. It wasn't because that the sandals were on his feet again. When the father said we're cutting covenant again, though, this is what upset him. Because now he was equal and co-heirs again with the older brother, even after he squandered all his possessions. That's why he was so upset. And so as we begin to talk about covenant this morning, I need you guys to kind of go back in time with me, all the way to the book of Genesis. And I need you to put your mindset in the mindset of the Jewish nation where everything that they did revolved around the Abrahamic covenant. Okay? Even before the old covenant, the law was put in place through Moses. They banked on this, the Abrahamic covenant. Okay? And so as they bank on this Abrahamic covenant, even when Pharisees would confront Jesus, they asked him this question, are you greater than our father Abraham? And so in this, all the Jewish mindset always went back to this covenant of Abraham. And so when the father had a covenant ceremony bringing his son back into sonship, they automatically went to this covenant in their minds that we're about to read. So open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter number 15, and we're going to kick this thing off in verse number 7. Genesis chapter 15 in verse number 7. When you found it, say, I'm a son. Okay, we got a lot of people still looking then. When you found it, say, I'm a son. All right, let's read this together. Genesis chapter 15, we're going to read the, the next four verses, verses 7 through 11. And it said... And this is God talking. He said, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, bring me a heifer. Everybody say a heifer. Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him these and cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham, Abram, excuse me, drove them away. Now some of y'all are thinking, what in the world does this have to do with anything that we're talking about? What did, they kill? What did the, uh, the father kill when the prodigal son came home? A fatted calf. We just look at it as, wow, he killed a cow. They wanted steak for dinner. <laughs> We're Texans. We know this. You like steak for dinner. We're beef people. Amen? I mean, come on. Amen. That's not what they were doing. When he said, bring me the heifer, the fatted calf, he was reminding the son that we are in covenant with Father Almighty. And Abram, the first thing he was to do was to bring a heifer. Now, you listen, you have a heifer, and you have a she-goat, and you have a ram, and you have a turtle dove, and you have a pigeon. Now, I'm fixing to bring you through some Old Testament uh, uh, knowledge here of why this is so important. The Old Testament knowledge of this is so important because when the age of three is so important because at the age of three, most animals are considered to be in the prime of their life. 
at three years of age. They're strong. They're, 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 at, they're, they're at a place of, of beginning to reproduce and things like that. And so at the age of three, they were considered to be in the prime of their life. But each one of these uh, animals that the Bible's talking about, a heifer, a she-goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and, and a pigeon, they, they, they are symbolic of different dispensation, dispensation ages throughout the Bible. Okay? Uh, dispensation ages mean different eras throughout the Bible. Okay? So as we talk about these, we got to understand when, uh, when God's saying, bring me a heifer, he's being prophetic or he's speaking in the now. When he says, bring me a she-goat, he's speaking of prophetic in the future. When he says a ram, even more prophetic in the future. And then a turtle dove and a pigeon, way prophetic in the future. And that's actually where we are now. And we're going to get into this right quick because we got to understand this if we're going to understand the covenant and how God's bringing you back into a place of sonship. So he said, bring me a heifer. The heifer represents this. It represents the age of faith that Abraham was in. So the first covenant that God is about to cut, as, as Abram brought a heifer, he brought a heifer and he divided it into lay the halves opposite each other. And that was the covenant that he was in. Now, in the story of the prodigal son, he said, bring me a fatted calf. What is he doing? And when he killed the fatted calf, he's saying, remember, son, we're in covenant with God. And so as Abram brought the heifer, this is called the covenant of faith that Abram entered. And then he says, bring me a she-goat, and he cut it in half and laid it opposite each other. That represents the law or the old covenant, okay? But listen, he goes on to say, bring me a ram and cut it and half each other, lay the halves opposite of each other. That represents the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Now maybe if you, if you can come up with the correlation, he's going to separate the sheep, the rams, from the goats. He's separating people who live in old covenant religion versus people who live in New Testament grace and faith. I'm praying y'all get this. I've been praying so hard y'all get this. And so the Bible says that the covenant of Abraham, when he split the heifer in two and laid it halves opposite each other, in, in chapter 17 or 18 of Genesis, he says, Abram, this will be an everlasting covenant that will never pass away. Okay? So even the blessing God gave Abraham is available to you. Somebody say Amen. <laughs> I mean, I know you don't want kids as many as the sands of the seashore because you can't handle your own, but I mean, so this is an everlasting covenant that will not pass away. The goat that was divided in two represents the old covenant. The old covenant will pass away and not necessarily pass away, but it will be uh, uh, one upped, I guess, by a greater covenant as the ram was laid in two. And that's Jesus Christ. That's the covenant of grace that we're in. And so as Abram split these animals, God says, I'm not just making a covenant with Abraham. I'm making a covenant throughout the generations to come for all of eternity because I'm not just cutting a heifer for the covenant of faith. I'm not just cutting a goat for the covenant of the law. I'm not just cutting a, a, a ram for the covenant of grace. I also need a turtle dove which represents the Holy Spirit, and a pigeon, which is literally known in the Bible, if you study this out, a carrier pigeon. And a carrier pigeon did what? They would tie notes to it, and they would send it, and it would carry the word, whatever message was needing to be carried. So 
in this covenant that Abraham was cutting with God, God wasn't just cutting a covenant with Abraham so his uh, offspring would be blessed for generations to come. He was cutting a, a covenant, as we'll read here in a little bit, with himself so he could get the gospel to go into all the world. Because here's the deal. When you cut the heifer and laid them halves opposite each other, that was the covenant of faith. You cut the goat, that was the covenant of the law. You cut the ram, that's the covenant of grace in Jesus Christ. Remember that Jesus is, is the, uh, it's, uh, when the ram was caught in the thicket, it was a typology of Jesus. And so when you cut the ram in half, that's the covenant of grace. But then you had a turtle dove and a pigeon. Now, now why weren't those cut in half? Here's why they weren't cut in half. Any animal that was not cut in half uh, uh, the, in a covenant, the previous covenant, it was added in kind of like, not, not an amendment to, but in, in an addition to it. And so the, the, the Holy Spirit, the, the turtle dove, didn't have to be cut in half because the Holy Spirit couldn't come until the age of grace came. And the Holy Spirit isn't separated from the age of grace. The Holy Spirit is empowered because of the age of grace. Come on, that's good stuff. And then you have this carrier pigeon, which represents us getting in on this covenant of grace through empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry the gospel to all the nations. Now, now come on, that's, that's your part to clap, amen? That's who you are. And so Abraham, thousands of years ago, is cutting this covenant with God not having a clue what God is thinking millenniums down the road having you in mind. And so in this covenant, we're going to watch what happens here as this goes forward. And verse 12 picks up and it says, and, and, and here's a key thing. Uh, this, I'm just going to throw this in. This isn't in my notes. Um, the, the end of verse 11, it says, and he brought, uh, and it says, uh, and birds of prey came down on the carcasses and Abraham, Abram drove them away. If you don't start protecting the covenant that you're in with God, the devil's going to run all over your life. Man, whatever's coming in against your covenant, you need to protect this covenant. Sickness coming in against your family nonstop all the time. You better start driving away the birds of prey. I mean, you better start just beating them out. Because you must protect the covenant that you're in. This is why when, when, when you get married, it says what God has joined together, you let no man put it asunder. <laughs> Don't let man infringe on your covenant with your wife or your husband. It's your job to protect it. And if we would protect our salvation, the covenant of Jesus Christ, like we do some other things that are sacred to us, we would have a whole different spiritual walk. Okay, I'm getting back off my soapbox now. Now, verse 12 picks up in Genesis 15. It says this, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and they will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Stop, time out. Do you remember the message from last week called Tomorrow? And I said that the sons of Canaan built an empire, that they didn't realize they were slaves, they were building an empire for somebody else, God's people that would come out of Egypt. That's what it's talking about. That's what that, your people will be sojourners in a land that is not their own and they will be afflicted for 400 years. 
So in the 400 years when they were going through affliction, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Adverites, and all the other ites that are out there were building this great empire, not realizing that what the enemy went for destruction, God was about to use for construction because God's making covenant even before it happens with Abram that I'm fixing to pull your people out of slavery and bring them to a land that wasn't their own, but it's a land I'm promising to them because of the covenant that we're about to cut. Now, now, now Noah just happened a few hundred years earlier. And so this was already going on and becoming in place while Abraham's over here going, following after God to a place where God's going to show him, right? And all this is already going on simultaneously as God's cutting this covenant. It's amazing how the Bible just comes all together. And so in this, the Bible says that they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. Everybody say amen. Amen. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet been complete. God said the full curse that Noah put on his son Japheth is not yet complete. They haven't finished building this great land that I'm having them build for you, and they don't even know about it yet. (laughs) Come on. So God says, my timing is not necessarily your timing. Come on. But you got to believe God's working on something. What the devil's trying to use for destruction, God says, I'm using for construction. And so in this, God's saying, I'm working on something in your life. I haven't abandoned my covenant. And it says, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down... And it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot, which, which, which is, is symbolic of the Father, and a flaming torch, which is symbolic of the Son, passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river Egypt, the great river, the, the, to the, from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Canaanites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. So this is what had happened. I know that's all. I, I, I hope you're tracking with me, okay? It, you should see what's going on in my mind right now. I'm trying to. It's like a little bird in my head, just all over the place. He, here's what's going on. Abraham had cut these animals. You got the heifer. You got the goat. You got the ram. You got the turtle dove. You got the pigeon. Abraham thinks God's about to show up. And they're fixing to walk through this covenant together. Greg, can you help me right quick? Come on up here, buddy. Give Greg Arden a hand clap. Amen. Greg, can you play God for me? For about five minutes. All right. See, what would happen, Greg, is uh, stand right here on this side of me. What would happen is when two people were about to cut covenant, they would lay the pieces of the animals side by side. They would look at each other, and this is what they would do. They would lock arms. They would walk through the animals together, and then they would separate and come back around. Go back around your chair. And they would come back to the beginning and face one another with the blood of the animals on their feet 
They were saying, we are now in covenant with one another. And because the Bible says the life is in the blood, this blood is now record for eternity of the covenant that we're in. And this blood will bear witness to our covenant. And so Abram thought God was fixing to come meet with him, and they were fixing to walk through these animals together. But what happened is Abraham got all this prepared, and God said, Abram, I love you, buddy, but you're a little bit too mortal. So God puts him in a deep sleep. Jeff, can you come up here and be Jesus? Y'all give Jeff a hand clap. Amen. So if I'm Abram, I'm here about to walk through this covenant with God, God says, Joel, you go over here and go to sleep. I'm not going to lay down and go to sleep. Just imagine me laying down and sleeping. And Jesus joins the Father, and they face each other, and they, they walk through the covenant together. They come back around and meet each other, and the blood of the animals physically on this earth bears witness to the Father and the Son cutting covenant, not just of the covenant of faith, not just covenant of the law, not just covenant of grace, not just the outpouring of the Spirit, but getting you in on this covenant with the gospel to go through all nations. The Father cut it with the Son for you. All right, you guys can be seated. Y'all give them an awesome hand clap. They did awesome. And so, so, so you're saying, a lot of you are thinking, well, pastor, that doesn't make sense. If the father cut covenant with the son, it's a covenant between the father and the son, right? You're correct. How does Abram get in on this deal? How does Abram get in on this deal? See, we started in verse 7, but we should have started in verse 6. Because here's how Abram got in on this deal. It's the same way you get in on the deal with the father today. It says, and Abram, he believed the Lord and God counted it or credited it unto him as righteousness. Now listen, God before the law was ever put into place wanted people to come into covenant with him, not by physical works, but by faith through his grace, and so the father cut this covenant with the son, we're, uh, signifying it's done by grace, but you got to come into it by your faith. Listen, the reason he put Abram to sleep was for this reason, because he needed Abram to do it by faith, not by his works of walking through this covenant. you got to do it by your faith. That's how you get in on this covenant. And the minute you get in on this covenant and you go through this and you believe what the Father did with the Son and cut covenant with Jesus Christ, and that is symbolic of literally when they walked through it, Jesus fulfilled it on the cross of Calvary. More than that, he fulfilled it on the day of ascension when he went up there to be with the Father. And now he ever lives to intercede on your behalf and my behalf uh, all day long. And so now the Son is praying for you because he's cut covenant with the Father and now it's your turn. It's your turn to get in on this deal through faith. Now, the title of this morning's message is called The Door. It's called The Door for a specific reason. Now, I got a door here. And y'all give Jeff and Damon a hand clap. They did awesome building this thing for me.
This door represents a covenant. This door represents your covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. This door is an amazing door. We have access to it. Now, now this is where I need you to really start tracking me. All this stuff that we just talked about is, is huge for what I'm about to tell you. A lot of us, we have access to it. We say how great it is. We say how wonderful it is. We say how amazing it is. We say how awesome it is. We say how, uh, what, what, how great it is to be in this covenant. The problem is the covenant is not activated by you having access to it. The covenant doesn't get activated until you actually go through it to the other side. Now, now I need you tracking with me here, okay? Some of you, your whole life, you've had an true encounter with Christ, and you've been through the door, but for some reason you came back out here, and you only have access to it, but your covenant is not activated until you go through it. See, here's the difference. On this side, you have access to healing. When you walk through the covenant, you've activated your healing. Do you see who's on this side of the covenant? Sons are on this side of the covenant. Sons are on this side of the covenant. Slaves, remember uh, the previous messages that I said, slaves see healing as a problem. Sons see healing as a promise. (laughs) Sons see healing as a promise. The problem that we face in the world today, in the church that we're in today, in the body of Christ, in the way we think today, is we always have access to it. And we say how wonderful it is, how great it is to be saved, how wonderful it is to be born again, how awesome it is to have a, oh, a loving Heavenly Father. The problem is you've only walked up to have access to it. You've never activated it by going through it and saying, I'm not going back and I'm camping out on this side right here. Because once I've activated it, I'm not putting it in reverse, baby. Now listen, on this side you have access to deliverance. When you go through it, you've activated deliverance. Now come on, some of y'all need to to get with me on this. On this side, you have access to salvation. This is why some of you are so bored with your Christian walk. It's because you've never really activated your salvation. Come on, you, you've been over here like, oh, this salvation is so nice. This salvation is so wonderful. Oh, I love Jesus. This salvation is so great. I'm just going to give him a big hug. I love this covenant. It's so wonderful. You had access to it, but you've never activated it by going through it. See, when you make the bold step that I'm walking through this door, and when I walk through, I ain't looking back, because when I activate this thing called salvation, being born again in Christ Jesus, you will never be the same. And here's the thing. The covenant that God cut with the Son, it was not activated until the Father met with the Son and they walked through it. But once it was activated, they could never go back on it. For eternity, it was there. For eternity, it was in place. On this side, 
you have access to grace. When I go through it, I've activated grace. Y'all just miss that. See, some of you, you you say, I love Jesus, but I just don't see how he could forgive me of all that I've done. You've had access to it, and you've walked up and looked at it, and you said how great and wonderful it is, but you've never activated grace. You've never fully activated grace. And some of you this morning, literally, I'm going to give you this opportunity, because some of you need to do something that is symbolic in your life, that you will remember for years to come. That at the altar call here in just a few minutes, slide this all the way to the edge. At the altar call here in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity. And I pray that ministry workers will do this. I pray that elders will do this and their wives will do it. I pray that staff will do this and their wives will do it. I pray that you will do this because some of you need to physically do something in your life to get your mindset past having access to and getting activated by going through and getting in on the other side. And and here's why I want you to do this. Because some of you on this side over here, you're sitting over here and you're saying, I've been praying for healing. Healing's in my covenant. Healing, I've been asking God to do a miracle in my life. And you've only just said, I'm just accessing it. God never wanted you to access the covenant. He wanted you to access him. See, here's the problem. A lot of us, we sit here and say, oh, we have access to the covenant. No, you have to activate the covenant to get access to God. And some of you, you just thinking you had access to the covenant. No, you got to activate the covenant to get to the presence of the Father. And some of you this morning, you physically need to walk up the steps on this stage. And I'll move all my junk out the way so there ain't nothing hindering you. You need to walk up the steps of this stage. And you need to say, I have access to deliverance on this side, and I've been depressed for years, but I'm no longer satisfied with access. I'm going to walk through the covenant, and I'm thinking to activate depression. And when I walk through the covenant, I'm going to activate the covenant, and depression is going to fall off of me when I walk through that door. Now, now, now here's what you got to realize. The door is nothing special. The door is just a pathway to something. Okay? The door that you're looking at, if it was on a building, it's a pathway from outside the building to inside the building. The covenant that Jesus Christ cut was amazing, but it was not supposed to be the be-all, end-all. It was supposed to be a pathway of access to the Father who is the be-all, end-all. And some of you haven't experienced the fullness of what the Father has because you've only had access to, you haven't activated it by going through. You must activate your covenant. You want to activate every other part of your life? You wake up in the morning and you can't wake up, so you activate your life with coffee. How do you activate your life with coffee? It's got to go through you. Right? You've got to physically drink it. It's got to get in your system. It's got to be in your body to get the caffeine effect. 
Some of you drink Monsters or Red Bulls. And how do you do it? How do you get the effects of it? You actually got to have it go through you. You can't just sit there and smell it and say, oh, I got access to it. Oh, I feel alive again. <laughs> Are you kidding me? In every area of your life, if you're going to get results, it's because you're going through something. Not just going to something. I believe more believers than, than now than ever have done this. They've walked all the way up to the covenant. They've been in this chair so long. And we've had people just come to the altar and pray. And you said a good prayer, but you never activated anything. You never activated something in your life. And you've come up to this covenant and you said, oh, how great it is. And oh, I love Jesus. I love this covenant. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. But you never walked through the door. You never stepped on through. And so you leave the exact same as you came. This morning, I want you to go through it. I want you to activate something in your life. I want you to not just touch it, not just look at it, not just say how great it is, but I want you to come in on the other side of it. Because if you think it looks great from that side, you ought to see it from this side. If you think heaven looks great from the earthly side, you ought to see heaven from heaven's side. If you think heaven looks good from the side of slave, you ought to see what heaven looks like from the side of son. <laughs> come on. Listen, the next three weeks we're talking about covenant. And if we don't get this, activating it by going through, we're never going to get out of chair number two and get into chair number one. We spent four weeks figuring out that a lot of us are in chair number two. And I wanted us to know that we're in chair number two. If you have ever in your life resembled chair number two, it's time this morning that when we have an altar call here in just a second, you get up off your excuse. I'll just say it politely. You get up off your excuse and you get sick and tired of sick and tired of being held back and you march yourself with all the faith you got to meet God here at the door and God's not letting you walk through that door alone. God's going to meet you at this door because you don't go through covenant by yourself. You go through it the one you're cutting covenant with. When you get up to this doorframe, there I believe I'm just praying for a spiritual transformation right here at this doorframe that when you step here, you say, I was a slave on this side, but I got access not just to it, but access through it, through the blood of Jesus Christ. So God, we're joining arms and I'm coming through to your side. And I'm coming in. To the covenant ceremony that the father killed the fatted calf for. Now here's the heartbreaking thing. Much like this jacket that I have on, some of you are going to let what you're robed in, not the father's robe, what you're robed in, be your excuse of why I don't need to go through that door. Well, pastor number one, it's just symbolic, right? So is your wedding ring, but you wear it, right? I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm just going to stop right there. And you're going to say, well, pastor, there's, it's, just, it's just symbolism. Why don't you take a step of faith and make it more than a symbol? Why don't you step out there 
and the coat of depression that you're wearing, watch what happens when you go to the other side of it. Because I believe when some of you walk through, I believe that the coats and the things you're wearing are going to be stripped off. And when you come on the other side, you're going to look like a whole new person. And that black baggage that you've been wearing your whole life is going to be dropped off right there. And you're going to be saying, no longer. And you want to know what the father's going to do? This is what's funny. The father's going to look at that and say, what's this junk doing in my house? What's that junk doing in my house? And he's going to bring you to a place in him. And some of you need to do something that's going to give you a physical memory of a step of faith in your life. There is a particular reason you have a covenant marriage ceremony. There is a reason he killed the fatted calf. He had to make it a ceremony, a special occasion that was taking place for the son. And you know what I believe is going to be the most heart-wrenching part of this whole message? It's not the people who walk through the door. It's the son who hears partying from a long way off. But didn't want to get out of his seat and stands outside the door that he has access to the covenant just like the other son, but he doesn't go in. And the father was out there pleading him saying, please come into the banquet and the party and the ceremony. Please come in. And the son said, no. And he remained. This morning, in three minutes, I'm giving you three minutes of prep time. Get your shoelaces tied. Get ready. And I pray we have a train of people walking through this door. And I pray that you come in limping, but you go out dancing. I pray that you come in crying, but you go out with a spirit of joy. I pray that you come in depressed, but you go out with gladness and the oil of joy all over you. I pray that you come in sick and you go out healed. I pray that you come in lost and you go out saved. I pray that you come in uh, uh, burdened by something and you go out delivered on that side. I pray you come in with a lack of grace and you go out with abundance of grace. I pray that you come in needing mercy and you find it on the other side of that door this morning. Whatever you need. You don't get it by having access to it. You get it by activating it and going through it this morning. And I've asked Mitch to play a special song this morning. It's one of my favorites, especially since we started this series. It's called Good, Good Father. It's who he is. It's who he is. I'm loved by him. That's who I am. That's who Joel is. I'm loved by him. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And when I walked through that door, notice it wasn't called the covenant of wrath. It was called the covenant of grace. And when Joel walks through that door, I'm loved by him. That's who he is. And now that's who I am. That's who I am. And we're going to have ministers ready to pray for you this morning. And so ministers come and begin to pray. Y'all just get yourself ready. But I don't want you going to a minister until you walk through the door. And here's why. There's a specific reason for this. Worship team, go ahead and come on up. I don't want you to, to I don't want you to, oh, come on. Y'all just start clapping. God's going to start doing miracles. Mm, come on. Come on. Husbands and wives. Yeah, I mean, woo, come on now. Come on. Healed. Amen. 
new life, amen, born again, amen, changed, healed, delivered, set free, new joy, depression's gone. Come on, God's finna change somebody's environment. The atmosphere is changing in this place. I believe it with all my heart. Come on, God's doing something mightily. It, hey, we ain't even got to make this formal. If y'all want to come through the door, just line up and start coming. Just, just, we're going to start doing something awesome. But I want you to come through this door first before you come to one of us. And here's why. Because your faith doesn't need to rest in our prayer. Your faith needs to rest in the covenant that you made with God. And as you activate it this morning, walking through this door, God's going to do something amazing in your life.